Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1, and I was looking through and praying about something new to do on Sunday nights, and uh, I realized that though we've been through the pastoral epistles, as they are called, that's 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus, we, we've never really gone through them in depth, and Sunday night is a great time to do this because the, these uh, books, First and Second Timothy and Titus, are not for the, the baby Christian. They're not for the person who just wants to show up in church and make it. The, these are for the people who want to really serve God with their lives. And so... By God's grace, the next uh, several months, we, we may just start First Timothy and go the whole way through Second Timothy and Titus, uh, or we may break it up a little bit, but we're just going to start tonight in First Timothy and, and continue working our way through here. And uh, now, just out of curiosity, uh, and I'm not going to feel offended one way or the other. On Thursday nights, usually when we do a book study, we, we prepare outlines and pass them out. Uh, how many really find those things helpful and, and want to keep them? Uh, yeah, okay, okay. Well, I didn't get it done tonight, but I'll, I'll try to get that done from now on. And if you want a copy, then you can take them home. But let's just start reading First Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, unto Timothy, mine own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some having swerved have turned aside into vain, unto vain jangling, Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Now, Paul is not wasting any time. He just introduces this passage and then he gets into what was the main problem in the day of Timothy. False doctrine. What is the main problem since the day of Timothy? False doctrine. What is the main problem that you and I face today as we try to live for God in this world is false doctrine. And uh, I was amazed. I took that class last, uh, last spring on uh, church history, and it was the history of what is called the Christian church. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, that was an eye-opener for me. It wasn't uh, so much new facts as it was being able to assemble together 
and really get a good understanding of what had happened in history. Um, most, I mean most, if not all of the errors that made up the Roman Catholic Church were well in force before Constantine became the emperor. The majority of people who called themselves Christians by 313 A.D. did not believe the Bible anymore. That was a terrifying discovery to me. Yes, there were people who... Bible-believing Christians. But do you know, not everyone that died in the Colosseum as a Christian went to heaven. Just because you refuse to worship the emperor doesn't mean you love the Lord Jesus Christ in truth. And just because you use his name doesn't mean that you happen to believe in the Jesus Christ of the Bible. Uh, because there are many Christ. Jesus said it in his own day. There are many now and there are, will be many in the future. There's going to be many who are going to use my name. And this is one of the things that I really want us to do on Sunday nights is to get into some of these things and, and look and get a practicality, a realness to our Christianity that is going to help us live. There are so many commentaries, so many books. I actually debated on getting back the study on how to uh, understand the Bible and, and go through that again. And then I looked and said, boy, we haven't covered this ground. And I'll tell you, if we'll go through this book, uh, you'll learn how to study your Bible. And that is something that each one of us need. And we're just going to dive right in here. And it says, Paul, an apostle... Of Jesus Christ. Now, that word apostle means a chosen messenger. It means one who brings forth the message. And, and Paul was an apostle and he said, now I'm a special apostle. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice how he was an apostle of Jesus Christ. Look what it says here in verse 1. By the commandment of God. Now, uh, I hope you never get tired of hearing me say there's a life of living in that one phrase. Paul was doing what he was doing. He was helping train Timothy. He was starting churches he was preaching the message of Jesus Christ not because the Apostle Paul wanted to preach the message of Jesus Christ. He was doing this because God commanded him to do it. Oftentimes we get just a little bit soft in, in our service to God. We, we want to back off just a little bit. We want... We, feel like we need to take a break. Well, I don't have to be there for every service. And this is our Sunday night crowd. You're the faithful ones. But Paul was doing what he did because God commanded him. Are you doing in your life what God has commanded you to do? We talk a lot about the Ten Commandments. 
Boy, oh boy, don't you dare have any false gods. There's only one true God. Don't you break one of those Ten Commandments. And, of course, you should never tell a lie. Amen? Uh, That would end politics right there. Uh, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not covet. I mean, those Ten Commandments are important. But they're just the summary. God commanded Paul to be an apostle. And he commands us to live for him. This is not something that we're just trying. My relationship with God is is not an option. It's not something that, that I want to do and I hope it's going to turn out all right. It is a commandment of God. Just as sure as the ten that were written in the stone with the finger of God, God wants our lives to be obedient to Him. He wants us... This is the love of God. If ye keep my what? Commandments. And they are not grievous. I mean, listen. This this is how Paul lived his life. So often we live our lives with the option method. Well, I know this isn't the best thing, but it's not the worst thing, so I'll do the... It's a little easier this way. You know, I don't have to be so uh, just cutting edge, right on the line, hard-nosed all the time. No. Paul was an apostle by the commandment of God. Now, Paul was no more a Christian than any person in this room. He has the same salvation that we do. Amen? He had a different job. I mean, this idea of being an apostle, and we've gone over this before, an apostle was one who was directly called by the Lord Jesus Christ, an eyewitness of the resurrected Christ in its fullness Fullest definition, an apostle was one who was called of God to write Scripture. Now, there are other people that are referred to as apostles. Barnabas was referred to as an apostle. Whether he was an actual eyewitness of the resurrected Christ, we do not know. But he was a uh, Levite, if I remember correctly. He was from Cyprus. And right there in the weeks after Pentecost, uh, Barnabas had sold his entire possessions and he had brought that money back and laid it at the disciples' feet. I mean, Barnabas was intimately involved. There's no reason to believe that he was not. Maybe one of those 500 that had seen the Lord on the mountaintop. That he was one of those who had seen the resurrected Christ. It's certainly true of everyone else who of whom the word apostle was used. The Apostle Paul said, I was one born out of due time. He had seen the resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus. This was years after Jesus had ascended into heaven. And so any time you see someone claiming to be an apostle, you can tell that they are a false teacher. There are no apostles today. We don't need them. 
By the way, the Jehovah's Witnesses, I think, I'm not sure what they call their reigning council. It's either the disciples or apostles. And uh, the Mormon church has the same organization, and I know the Mormon church calls their leading council apostles. And, and they are. But they're apostles of the angel Moroni and apostles of the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. They are not apostles of Jesus Christ. So don't get, uh, don't get out of whack here. Don't get nervous. There are many apostles. I mean, Bill Gates is an apostle of Microsoft. And he wants to make, and he's made billions of dollars doing it. And listen, you, you have a message that you're going to teach the world, no matter who you are and, and what you're doing. Sometimes that message may be as simple and as ugly as a homeless man saying, I'm mad at society and mad at culture, and so I'm going to rebel against it and not take a bath and just lay in the gutter and be drunk all the time. There's a message that is there. Every one of our lives has a message. Paul said, my life is lived by the commandment of God. That's a testimony that we all ought to strive to have. Amen? What we do for the Lord Jesus Christ is number one. Now, we have a lot of reconstruction going on in the building. And I'm not adverse to putting on my work clothes and getting some things done. But there's a reason why we do this. Praise God, we've been averaging over 100 for the last several months. If that area was still closed in, it would be very uncomfortable with just 100 people in this auditorium. Now, we can either hire somebody to do it for us and go into debt, which I think is very foolish at this time in society, or... We can just do the work ourselves a little bit at a time and get it done. Now, if I'm doing that, it takes time away from other things. But we've got to balance it out because the whole purpose is so that our church can serve the Lord Jesus Christ more. Amen? Now, as I look out, I see people who work at banks and hotels and for the police department and sales and and school teachers, and different jobs that we all work. That ought not be the goal. To be the best school teacher, to be the best salesperson, to be the best... Uh, that's, that's not what your life is about. Your life should be by the commandment of God. But He's given you an opportunity to finance that commandment by the job that you work. And so if you don't do a good job, you're not going to have what God wants you to have to serve Him with your life. Do you see the difference? This is what it means by the commandment of God. This is how Paul lived his life. It was a serious thing for Paul to get up in the morning. 
the schedule, his to-do list, if you want to look at it that way, was important. It was as important as keeping the Ten Commandments because it was just another commandment of God. We all love to do the big things. I'll tell you, few things are more enjoyable than when, uh, when we finish something. In the, when I finish something in the building, I, those little cracks up there and that molding around the top of those windows, that just irritates the fire out of me. Haven't figured out how to fix it yet, but when we do, we'll fix it and then that side's going to be finished. I like that. But I'll tell you what I don't like. I didn't like the 12 weeks that it took to tear apart the old wall and just put the framework up. I didn't like that one little bit. Just that grind, day in, day out, where it just seemed like nothing happened. Oh, what did you do today? We put the plastic up. Uh, we got one sheet of plastic up. Of course, the sheet of plastic's 20 foot high and, and 18 foot wide, but we got it up today. It's that daily, daily living that makes all the difference in the world. And it's the hardest thing in the world to do. Somebody said, consistency is the key. Well, there's only one problem to consistency. You've got to do it every day. Isn't that right? But here's how consistency works. After the first 20 years, the second 20 is a whole lot easier. But very few of us are ever going to make the first 20 because we want to get discouraged. And we're tired. And we get weary. That's why the Bible says, be not weary in well-doing. Amen? That's why it's telling us here, listen, you've got to understand that our life as we live it is obeying the commandments of God. I'm glad that God's not sitting there in the person of the Holy Spirit whispering in our ear every move to make every day. That would be utterly confusing on how to live. But He's given us this book called the Bible. And if we'll just grab the things that are in this book called the Bible and let them determine our life, it, you'll find so many of your decisions are just made for you. How many of you have gone through a day and it's just been confusing and frustrating and nothing has worked out and just... And then you sit down and you say, how much time have I prayed today? None. How much time did I read my Bible today? None. How much time did I seek God today? None. Why is this day a big zero? Because I didn't do the important things first. And I'm not just preaching at you. I'm preaching with you. I mean, there are days when there are just things that have to be done on a certain period of time. And if they don't get done, nothing is going to happen. It's going to, the whole world's going to stop. You know what I found out? It's not going to stop. Remember Brother Clayton one time years ago when I was traveling with him, he told me, he said, Pete, you got to stop this driving all night stuff. 
I said, but I like to drive at night. It's quiet. There aren't so many. He said, but you're going to fall asleep sometime on me. And I don't want to lose the vehicles and I don't want to lose you. He said, the world is not going to stop if you're not there. That's some pretty wise counsel. The devil loves to get us on that treadmill. I mean, we're just going. And I mean, things are happening and we're sweating and the heart rate's going up. But where are you actually going? You're standing still. It's the floor that's moving under you. I mean, it's just a treadmill. You're like one of those little hamsters in the cage, just running around and around and around and around. The devil loves to put us there because that's not the commandment of God. Busy is not the commandment of God. We've got to live by the commandment of God. That's how the Apostle Paul lived. And you'll notice here, by the commandment of God, our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. God has devised the plan of salvation. There should never be a day pass where you don't think about what God has given you in your salvation. Amen? Not one day. And the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our hope. Hope is a wonderful thing. We've spent several Sunday mornings in the past years just on hope all by itself. Hope will take you places that nothing else will. Uh, I think I've told the story several times. A, a fellow named Sergei Kordakov, he was... Uh, had claimed to be part of the Russian squads that was actually persecuting the church. And because of the uh, faith that he had seen, he said, I, don't, I can't take this anymore. He was on a Navy tour. He was off the coast of Vancouver. He was several miles out at sea. And he just planned his uh, escape. He jumped over the side of the ship and sliced his boots off in the water and swam... I think it was eight or nine miles through the open ocean to land. When they found him, he had passed out on the shore and someone had found him and he hardly spoke a word of English and he tried to identify himself. And they took his story and they put it in together and they analyzed it and they came in and they said, You're a liar, Mr. Kordakoff. There is no human being that has enough endurance to do what you said you did. Therefore, we believe you're a Russian spy and you're just trying to tell us a story here or you're some kind of criminal. Uh, we don't believe you who you are. Did you forget to tell us anything? And he said, well, I prayed. I prayed an awful lot. I prayed the whole time I was in the water. They said, you didn't tell us that before. He said, we'll go work on it. And they put it through their computer and analyzed it. And the computer came back and said, oh, it's possible now. He said, this is what hope will do to the human soul. And it's proven by statistical analysis, I guess. But see, this idea of hope will keep you going. 
But if you've ever had a false hope, there is nothing more destructive in your life than a false hope or hope in someone that fails you. Your hope has to be in the right place. God is our Savior. Jesus Christ is our hope. Here's why He's our hope, and we'll be done tonight. He is our hope because He lived this life. He didn't just drop down out of heaven, walk to the cross, resurrect from the dead, and go back to heaven. I can't imagine, I don't understand it, how the God of heaven wrapped Himself in the flesh of a newborn baby. How He patiently waited as that little body began to grow. He had to learn to walk. He had to teach that body how to read even though He is the sum of all knowledge of all the ages, the eternal Creator limited Himself by the confines of a human body that was hungry, that grew tired, that had to be rested, that felt pain, that felt all of the emotions that you do. Can you imagine what had to be going through that body when they called him Beelzebub, that his power was the power of Satan. And yet he is God himself. Never once did Jesus sin. But how many times do we tell ourselves, I can't stand it anymore. I'm going to have to lose my temper just this once. I just have to. It's righteous indignation when it's nothing but self-will. Never once did Jesus give in to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. Never once did He make an exception for Himself to the laws of God. That's why He's our hope. He's waiting in heaven for us. He said, I'm going, but I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. You see, Paul was an apostle. He had a message. But it was by the commandment of God. Paul said, I'm saved. Because of what God did for me. God sent Jesus to die on the cross, to be buried, to be re- and to rise again, that whosoever believeth on Him should have everlasting life. And Jesus Christ, who is our hope. You will never go through what Jesus went through. You know, they coined this little phrase... WWJD. How many of you have seen that? What would Jesus do? They have jewelry and comic books, and that is such a ridiculous statement. Paul didn't say, 
I'm going to do what Jesus would do. Paul said, I live my life by the commandment of God. There's a big difference in obeying God and trying to think what Jesus would do and then imitate Jesus. Because you can't do it. You can't heal the blind. You can't heal the lame. You can't solve the problems. In fact, you can't even live the Christian life unless you go to God and get His commandments and then get His strength to obey them. Amen? But those are all the things that Jesus promised us through His life here on earth. That's why He's our hope. Which could spend the whole night on, which is our hope. Amen? We need some hope today. I have very little hope, I'll be honest with you. I have very little hope for the future of our nation and for our society as a whole. I have very little hope. But that's not where my hope is supposed to lie. My hope is in Jesus Christ. Those that have gone on before us served God in the most unbelievable of circumstances. They served God in the prisons. They served God destitute of every human need. They served God in spite of persecution. They used to hunt the Christians in the woods with packs of wild dogs. They're just one of the things that they've done. You have no idea how horrible that is. And if I described it to you, uh, you'd... It'd be worse than watching most horror movies. But this wasn't pretend, it was real. But they served by the commandment of God because their hope wasn't in this life. It was in Jesus Christ. We need to take a message from the Apostle Paul as he's writing Timothy. He's just telling Timothy about himself. He's saying, this is how I'm living my life, and this is how I want you to live yours. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this admonition in this first verse here. And Lord, we just pray that you would help us as we get up tomorrow morning, that we would look at our life as a life by the commandment of God. That we would rest in God, our Savior, and our Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. We pray that you would change our attitude and our heart. And Lord, our outlook on life, that we may be your servants. In Jesus' name we pray. We'll take just...